Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Banker Next Door. I am your host, Dr. Joe Berquist. Today we are going to be continuing the crypto series. This is part three of the series. And if you haven't had a chance to go back and watch parts one and two, I would highly encourage everybody to do that. The first episode was on a book called The Dark Net. And I can show everybody for thing right here. So The Dark Net, uh, which came in, we basically talked about the origins of cryptocurrency and crypto exchanges and Bitcoin. Uh, we covered the years of two, basically the end of 2008 up until about 2015. And then in episode number two of the series, we covered Michael Lewis's book called Going Infinite, which is a book. It's all about the story of FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried and the rise and fall of FTX, basically uh, culminating in the collapse in November of 2002. Um, we just saw Sam Bankman-Fried get convicted in court. We're still waiting for his uh, sentencing to come through, but uh, still keeping an eye on that one. So today's episode, what we're looking to do today is we want to go back and investigate the uh, crypto collapse that occurred in, in 2022 and look at how that unfolded. What was the timeline of that? Who were the players involved in that? And how did that come about? So before we get into that, I wanted to show everyone uh, a great little primer that I found here. So this is coming from the Independent Community Bankers of America. And this is a great little two-page, uh, basically, primer that they put together for uh, crypto, you know, basically cryptocurrency primer for community banks. And what I really liked about this is it had a lot of great definitions right in here. So it went through, you know, what is a cryptocurrency? What is blockchain? Uh, what is distributed ledger technology or, or DLT? Uh, what is a stable coin? And then, you know, what's a central bank digital currency? Uh, and then as we scroll down here to the second page, it talks about recent uh, cryptocurrency regulatory developments, talks about, you know, Department of Justice, uh, the Office of the Controller of the Currency, and then the Federal Reserve and Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, also known as FinCEN. Um, five steps community banks can take today to prepare for increased cryptocurrency usage. So, very good primer right here. I would definitely I would definitely recommend anybody to go and check it out. I will definitely put a link to this um, in the video below so people can link to it and check it out. Um, also, an article that I'm going, uh, I should say an article, more like a study that I'm going to be referring back to as we go through not only this episode, but also into episode four, is this article from the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago, a retrospective on the crypto runs of 2022. So before we get into that, though, I want to go, I want to get out of this for a second and I want to go back into another screen here for a minute so I can bring this up. Okay, so here we go. So we got our crypto crash timeline. So again, before we start, just a couple things to go over. Cryptocurrencies, you know, what are cryptocurrencies? Okay, well, you have you have Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, Tether, Litecoin, Dogecoin, etc., things like that. Uh, you've got the blockchain, you've got distributed ledger technology. Again, that is the technology which underlies the cryptocurrencies. That's what allows the cryptocurrencies to be uh, traded and exchanged for, for other things, which keeps which keeps track of basically transactions. You have stablecoin. Now, uh, you know, what is stablecoin? Well, 
Stablecoin is pegged to a fiat currency like the dollar, a basket of currencies or gold. Stablecoins offer a less volatile form of cryptocurrency. One example, Tether, is the biggest stablecoin that is backed by the price of national currencies uh, like the dollar, the euro, or the Japanese yen. So a, so a stablecoin is basically pegged to the dollar in a sense. Um, but we're going to get into it with a little bit more description of stablecoin uh, when, we, when we talk about um, Tether and some of the other ones here in a moment. And then you have crypto exchanges. So you have, you know, you can think of Coinbase, FTX, Binance. These are all examples of crypto exchanges. You also have what's called decentralized finance and centralized finance. And you also have uh, central bank digital currency. Now, I just want to point out for a minute uh, the, what is a decentralized market like DeFi? What is that? So in a decentralized market, technology enables investors to deal directly with each other instead of operating from within a centralized exchange. Virtual markets that use decentralized currency or cryptocurrencies um, offer examples of decentralized markets. For most digital currency investors, centralized cryptocurrency exchanges or online platforms used to buy and sell cryptocurrencies are the most common means that investors use to buy and sell cryptocurrency holdings. By contrast, decentralized exchanges cut out the middleman and function as peer-to-peer -peer exchanges. Assets are never held by an escrow service and transactions are done entirely based on smart contracts and atomic swaps. So effectively what you could think of as a decentralized so you have centralized and decentralized cryptocurrency exchanges and i know this can all get uh very confusing very quickly for anybody who's, who's not really uh into this so uh but what you really got to understand is like a centralized exchange crypto exchange would you know that could you could trade crypto you could do other things uh futures as far as as again all relating to cryptocurrencies um, as with a decentralized exchange, you're just you're taking out the middleman. It's just, you know, you and someone else are operating directly. There's no escrow being held and you're just transacting with that person back and forth. So so just to try to give a little bit of background here, because you do need to understand some of these things in order to understand the, the cryptocurrency ecosystem and the market and why that that market basically fell apart. So so let's get OK. So now let's get in here. So the crypto crash of 2023 there were three major shocks that occurred the first one was the collapse of terra usd which was also known as ust stablecoin and that happened in may of 2022 then you had the failure of three arrows capital 3ac which happened somewhere in the neighborhood of may june 2022 and then it all culminated with the failure of ftx in november of 2022 so let's just keep those three major those three major milestones in mind uh, throughout 2022 as we as we go through here. So what happened? So what was the timeline of this? So, OK, so crypto markets hit an all time high toward the end of 2021. Uh, you know, you know, Bitcoin was at an all time high. Ethereum, all these other things really, really going high. The amount of trading volume on exchanges like FTX and Binance was was super high and just flowing right through. So everything's going great at the end of 2021. 2021 and now we get into 2022 and we start to have some troubles and the troubles basically start with stablecoin uh which is it you know this market reached over 180 billion in circulation which supported the entire crypto ecosystem of approximately 1.75 trillion uh so let me say it again the entire crypto ecosystem at that moment which was 1.75 trillion dollars so michael hughes 
who is the acting controller of the currency, uh, he basically had this comment to say, this is an upside down pyramid with two trillion worth of crypto resting on roughly 180 billion of stable coins. Uh, and he, and those, he couldn't have been more correct in his assessment of what was, what was going on there. So Terra USD was what you call an algorithmic stablecoin, meaning that it used a two coin structure to maintain its value. Uh, you had Terra UST served as the stablecoin, while another coin called Luna absorbed what was called the price volatility of Terra and trades at the market value. So in other words, to create one UST, a user would trade $1 worth of Luna. So see, again, stick with me on this. So basically think of it like this way. It's an algorithmic stable coin. You had to have two sides to the coin. You know, one was the UST stable coin. The other was a cryptocurrency called Luna. So those are kind of the two sides of the, of the equation there. So as we continue to move down here, so, so Terra USD collapsed on May 7th of 2022. This resulted primarily from users just losing confidence in the stable coin. But what triggered this? What triggered the event? So you had a company called Curve Finance, and there was an initial trade on Curve Finance for $85 million in UST. It was a swap. And this is the trade. And, and I'm still doing some digging on this, but right now it appears that it's unknown exactly who made this, who made this trade, who put this in here, who created this swap, which appeared to have basically kicked these things off. Uh, and this led to the UST losing its peg against the dollar, which led to a loss in confidence, which led to a, uh, you know, what you would call a, a flight to security, which led to, you know, people just pulling their money out, which led to a classic kind of run on the bank type scenario. Um, Anchor, which was a large DeFi lending platform, uh, basically they had major problems because it could not pay deposits of UST 20% uh, yield. So they had promised. So in other words, if you owned UST and you went in and you deposited on Anchor, Anchor was promising that they would pay you 20%. Like, so think of it the same way, like you went into a bank you put money into a savings account and that savings account was going to pay you a 20% interest. Um, obviously, you, you know, any, anybody in their right mind would, would jump on that and say, oh my gosh, I got to get in on that. So they offered a huge yield in order to try to entice people to come in. Now, what Anchor also did though, was you came in, you deposited your UST into an account with Anchor and then Anchor proceeded to lend that money out. Uh, because again, it was a DeFi lending platform. So they proceeded to lend that money out to other people at much higher rates of interest in order to be able to pay people back on that 20%. Uh, but obviously people came in just as with like a bank, you know, you come in, people make a run on deposits, they pull all the deposits out and, you know, you, you have a liquidity problem and you, you fall apart. So, and, but what's important to understand is that Anchor was the backbone for not only the UST stablecoin, but also for the entire, what was called the Terra network. Um, and then basically the depositors fled Anchor as, as Terra USD struggled and its governance token, which was called ANC, collapsed from $116 down to literally pennies, a, a few cents. So now as we uh, continue on here, so then we had, so now you had, you know, Terra failed, uh, Anchor failed, they, you know, these guys were, you know, that now you had this contagion kind of spreading through the crypto ecosystem. So you had a, a cryptocurrency called USDX. It failed because it had UST as part of its collateral reserves. 
Uh, and then the straw and then the trouble spread to Tether. Uh, basically, and Tether is like the major stable coin. So Tether, Tether basically facilitates crypto trading around the globe. And on May 12th, 2022, just five days later, Tether, what you call, they broke the buck. In other words, they, they broke their peg to the dollar. And then from uh, from early May to June, and then I should say is as once you know once Tether broke the buck, that basically that would like that was it like the the run was officially on, and from early May to June, the crypto market plunges by more than five hundred billion down to one point two nine trillion, um, and basically the DeFi ecosystem experiences a major weakening, dropping twenty, thirty, sometimes forty percent in um they have a specific way of describing it like deal lot they describe it as like deal locks um and basically so their their deal volume ended up dropping between 20 and 40 percent during this period so the DeFi ecosystem definitely took a major a major hit so moving on so the crypto collapse continues through the summer and into the fall so now uh, now we get to the second major event, which is kind of the end of May, the beginning of June. You have the failure of a hedge fund that was called Three Arrows Capital, or also known as 3AC. Uh, this was a hedge fund that focused almost exclusively on crypto assets. And this was a this was a major, major blow up uh, in the entire uh crypto ecosphere so this and this was this directly led into on Ju uh, july 5th uh, voyager digital files for bankruptcy then on july 13th celsius files for bankruptcy um now i will say also at this point um you had BlockFi, you had genesis that was in in partnership with the other company gemini uh, all of those firms basically uh, you know stopped trading stop volume during this period they didn't file for bankruptcy for another you know four or five months after this but they were effectively done i mean they were effectively out of the game uh in, in this same kind of july uh period where where voyager and celsius were where everybody was was collapsing so uh now now yeah and then you have basically BlockFi didn't actually file for bankruptcy again until november 28 2022 and genesis in partnership with Gemini, they didn't officially file for bankruptcy until January 19, 2023. But these four firms were effectively in serious trouble and, and basically taken out of the game, so to speak, uh, back in July of, of 2022. Now you kind of now it's kind of roll. Now things are rolling toward, you know, the crypto market is just imploding. Bitcoin is dropping tremendously, as well as all the other cryptocurrencies. Um, you're seeing de deal volume just plunge through the floor and now we come to the, the kind of the coup de gras moment, if you will. Uh, we come to the failure of FTX, uh, which you know basically failed in, in epic proportions here on November 11th, 2022. FX, FTX files for bankruptcy. That was after they basically officially failed on November the 8th. Uh, the major run on FTX kicked off on around November 1st, November 2nd. Um, and literally within a couple of days, and I'm going to show you the article here in a minute. We can see we're going to look at some charts here in a second to kind of view how this how this unfolded, so to speak, with FTX. Um, so now let's try to understand the run for a minute. So what so how did this happen here? So basically, customers had no access to deposit insurance because, again, these crypto insurance, these crypto exchanges, uh, they did not have FDIC insurance. They're not they're not regulated like a like a bank would be. So you had no deposit insurance, nothing to cover the depositors, uh, no long term relationship, meaning that the companies were new. They were not stress tested. Um, you know, in other words, you know, with banks, people have 
you know, centuries of experience with banks here in America. Uh, we have centuries of experience with banks. I mean, people know for the most part that, yes, I mean, there have been all kinds of banking runs and banking collapses and, and crises here in the United States in terms of our, our banking economy. Uh, that has, you know, and there, there, there are dozens of, of examples of that. Um, however, there's still that, that history. I mean, most people understand that like, you know, for the most part, you're going to put money in a bank and it's going to be safe and you have FDIC insurance. Um, a lot of people deal with community banks or they deal with big banks like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, you know, banks that have been around for a long, long time, have a proven track record, uh, you know, get audited, every year by, you know, regulators, third party companies, accounting firms, law firms, like the, the you know, um, investment bankers. I mean, he runs the, the whole gamut. So there is a level of, uh, there's a certain amount of, of trust or understanding that's been built up there over many years, which, which did not exist with the cryptocurrency, the crypto companies because of how new they were. Um, and then ultimately customers were enticed by high returns and the excitement over crypto assets. And I, I put in here, you know, where have I seen this before? So, if you study the market, if you study economics, if you study banking, you'll realize that there are there are manias, there are panics, there are, are crises, there's there's bubbles that burst. Uh, and if you study particularly manias in this case, if you if you've ever seen a mania unfold, um, you know, the dot com bubble was a perfect example of a mania. You know, people find something new. They jump in on it. Uh, they they maybe don't really understand it, but it, it's it's hot, it's exciting, it's uh, sexy, it's uh, you know there, there's just a tremendous amount of excitement over it, and that's that's really what happened with crypto, uh, particularly between the years of like I would say 2017 and 2021. I mean, over the course of that five year period, uh, crypto really took off. Bitcoin took off. Everybody was interested in digital wallets. Um, a lot of people, you know, you saw a lot of things on social media about, oh, I, I became a crypto millionaire and made tons of money. So so people obviously jumped into this mania. Uh, and I think in a lot of ways, not really understanding it, but they were, but, you know, but they were enticed by what seemed exciting. They were enticed by very high returns on their money and basically said, hey, I can't make this money. I can't make 20 percent in the stock market. Uh, you know, unless, you know, you're a professional trader or, or really good at, at what you're doing, uh, you know, most normal people can't make a 20 percent return in the, in the stock market. Um, you know, even making a 20 percent return on real estate can can be difficult, you know, in certain markets, depending on what's happening. Um, so. I just so I just wanted to make that point that basically this is this is nothing new. This is a classic mania that unfolded and it's not. I mean, people have seen this before. So and then going on to number two. So while platforms had retail customers, runs were spearheaded by customers with large holdings, some of which were sophisticated institutional customers. Now, I'm going to get into this more in the next uh, episode when we focus more on the banking crisis that unfolded in 2023. But this is a very, very critical point. So the runs were spearheaded by customers with large holdings, some of which were sophisticated institutional customers, meaning Wall Street, meaning private equity, meaning hedge funds, meaning high frequency trading firms. Um, and that's what we're going to look at a little bit more, like I said, in the next episode. So, uh, but keep that in mind because it's a very important detail. Number three, the runs were purely electronic. In other words, there were no branches for anyone to go to. You had to go, you know, you had to go on to your uh, Coinbase. You had to go on to FTX. You had to electronically transfer money out of that account back into your account and so on and so forth. And number finally, number four, 
Uh, efforts to generate high returns caused these platforms to hold insufficient liquidity barriers, uh, meaning that they did not hold enough money in reserve for the to to secure themselves in the event that something like this happened. Now, I will say, to be fair, even if you're a bank, I mean, you know, if you have, as we saw with the banks that failed, you know, you, everybody has but so much liquidity on hand. I mean, when, when you lose, you lose 50%, 60% of, you know, your deposits on hand, you're going to have a major liquidity problem. And that, that's true for anybody. And, and I, I think there, there, there does exist a point where regardless of how much capital you keep on hand or you keep in, in, in as your buffer, you know, if it gets bad enough, nothing is going to save you. But at this, but at the same time, uh, again, it gets back to the fact that, you know, these are entities that are unregulated. Uh, they don't have deposit insurance, like nobody, you know, the, the books, so to speak, the accounting of these companies was highly questionable for a long, long time. Um, they didn't report things very often. So it was, it was just, it was just really difficult to determine how financially sound uh, these companies were and how much liquidity buffer they actually had and what was going on. Obviously, we saw with FTX that that was just uh, basically a, a total money laundering Ponzi scheme there going on there with Sam Bankman-Fried. And I think that uh, same thing was going on with a lot of these crypto companies here. But um, FTX so far is the only one that has been uh, basically brought up on charges and 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 busted for that. So, but we'll yeah we'll see how things continue to unfold. And then uh, finally here, so aftermath. So what you know? So what happens at the end of 2022? So most of the damage was confined uh, to the crypto asset ecosystem. However, and this is a this is a big big note here. However, the failure of FTX put severe pressure on Silvergate and Signature Bank, both of which provided an array of bank services targeted at crypto asset firms. Furthermore, these two banks suffered severe deposit withdrawals and closed or failed in 2023. And I would also add Silicon Valley Bank to this as well. These are the three banks that I describe as the crypto banks. These were the three banks that were in bed with the crypto ecosystem. And I'm going to explain that a lot more in the next episode as to how exactly that worked. How did these, how did these, uh, how did the crypto market get into the banking system? And that's what we're going to look at in the next part is because again, ultimately the theory of the case here, if you will, or my hypothesis is that this crypto crash in 2022 led directly to the banking crisis that we experienced earlier this year in, in March and April of 2023. So, uh, so I basically I hoped everybody liked this. I hope you got a little bit more understanding here of the crypto crash that occurred in 2022 and how it unfolded, who the players that were involved, uh, the timelines of things, what the ultimate outcome was here. Um, so I'm going to pop out of that here for just a second. So. Again, yeah, understand again, understanding this though, understanding the crypto ecosystem, how it works, the players involved, uh, what was going on, ultimately, how did this break? How did this blow up? How did all this this crash back down to earth? Um, you know, was it all just a giant big scam? Uh, I, I I think I think a lot of it was. I think not not necessarily like the Bitcoin itself or the blockchain technology. I think I think all that is is legitimate technology. I think the cryptocurrency exchanges are where the problem lies. Uh, the DeFi uh, market, if you will, has issues. Um, 
you know, they're, you know, people may not like, I'll put it this way. People may not like middlemen, but middlemen are also there for a reason. There's, there's a reason, you know, middlemen are a thing that have uh, developed over centuries. There are things, there are things that happened for hundreds of years with examples of people getting defrauded, people losing money, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what ultimately led to the development of middlemen. Now, people sometimes don't like dealing with middlemen. They don't like the middlemen necessarily get a piece of the pie or get a chunk of the transaction. But again, for the most part, there's also very legitimate reasons why middlemen exist and why they're they're there. So with that being said, uh, like I said, this is the, the third part of the series. So the fourth part is going to examine uh, what, you know, what happened with the banking crisis that unfolded in, um, in April and March um, of 2023. And then part five of the series is going to look at just what's happened over the last three or four months, like what's happening in the crypto sphere over the last couple of months. I mean, they're, they're trying to get into trading ET, crypto ETFs and there's crypto regulation. There's all there's a whole bunch of things going on there. And I'm just going to kind of provide an update on that as to what's happening with all of the most current happenings with the crypto things. And then the uh, final part in the series, episode six, is really going to focus on uh, central bank digital currency and how does how does the CB um, CBDC how does that fit into all this at the end of the day um, in terms of of you know kind of cutting in on the cryptocurrency world what does it mean for for the you know for future uh, finance and future banking all these kind of things so so that'll be part six of the series and and how we'll kind of cap things off uh from there but uh, but like i said i hope you're enjoying the series so far please go back and check out the next two parts and then i'll also be bringing you part four here uh very soon so again i hope everybody enjoyed this if you like this episode please give a thumbs up uh, please hit that subscribe button if you uh leave a comment below please do so i uh, always love the comments from listeners and uh, definitely try to get back to people as, as much as I can. And uh, definitely, like I said, check, make sure to check us out on YouTube, Rumble, and all major podcast platforms. And I hope to see everybody again real soon. Thanks a lot.